Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. We're going to be looking at um, talent. We're going to be looking at believing in yourself. We're going to be looking at initiatives and focus. We're going to be looking at preparing and practice, perseverance and courage, the heart that is teachable, character and responsibility, relationships and teamwork. So we have a lot of things to really go through this weekend, and I'm trusting God that as we go through this period, that the Lord will show himself mighty in our lives. You see, people that make it in life, um, sometimes we use the word, oh, they're just lucky. Um, luck is a word that you will never find in the scriptures. Uh, Jesus did not fulfill his ministry just because he was lucky. He did not fulfill his ministry just because, um, well, you know, God was working with him every single day and he had no choice. No, you realize that he fulfilled his ministry because he had some characteristics in his life. And all the people in the scriptures that also were successful had this same trait. And those are the traits we are going to be looking at tonight, um, tomorrow, and on Sunday by the grace of God. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. I can do all things because of him. You know, there is a lot of things that a lot of us have ruled ourselves out of. There are a lot of things that we say, um, how many of you can swim? How many of you can, can swim? How many of you um, ride the bike? You ride the bike. How many of you do that? Okay. How many of you drive? You drive. Okay. How many of you can fly a plane? <laughs> a, a small, you know, say a small plane. How many of you can fly a plane? Okay. You are in the right place because the truth is, you can. I'm not saying how many of you have the ability right now. I'm saying that how many of you, if I take you to a training school and you, are, you have the ability to be able to understand all the things that goes into flying a plane, how many of you think after going through training you can fly a plane? Okay, now we're talking. So you can. You might not have the ability to do that today, but you can do it. So there are a lot of things in every one of us that, you know, we, <laughs> we, we just rule ourselves automatically out of those things. You know, when people achieve great things, others would often explain their accomplishment by simply attributing everything to talent. How many of you are talented? You're talented. Um, you're talented. Let me see your hands. Okay, how many of you are not talented? You have no talent. You have no talent. Okay. Number one, there is no human being that lands on the face of the earth without a talent. There is something that you can do that, guess what, 10,000 other people in your situation can't do. So every one of us here, God made you with a particular talent. God made you with giftings. He gave gifts to all men. So everyone lands up in this place on earth with a particular talent. You might not have discovered yours 
And that's one of my prayers that this weekend, the Lord would uncover the talent that he has on the inside of us. But you see, your talent is not enough for you to be successful in life. Because your talent is God's gift for you. Your talent is God's gift to you. And you fulfilling the potential of your talent is your gift back to God. You fulfilling the, the full potential is God's, it's your gift back to God. So everyone has talent. All of us have something that we can do well, every one of us. Develop the talent you have. Tell your neighbor, develop the talent you have. Not the one you want. Can you say that one more time? Develop the talent you have. Not the one you want. Do you know there are people that say, oh, I wish I can sing like Nikki. No, you can't sing, period. So don't bother about the talent that you want. There is some, there's a talent that you have. There is a talent that you have. And for a lot of people, they go through life wanting something else that they don't have, neglecting the things that God has put inside of them. So your first assignment that you are going to bring back tomorrow morning at 11 when we meet is that I want you to list your talents. I want you to list all the talent that you have. Because you see, your talent is given to you by God and is an indicator of where you need to go in life. There are people that are passionate about business. There are people that are passionate about the law. There are some people that are passionate about sports. There are some people that are passionate about design. There are people that are passionate about cars. There are people that are passionate about houses. There are people that are passionate about all kinds of things. There are people that are passionate about kids. There are people that are passionate about languages. But I want to tell you that the gift that you have, the talent you have, God expects you to develop it. Say, God expects me to develop the talent that I have. You know, the fact that <laughs> I, I tell people, I said, when you look at the whole of your life, one of the first things the enemy is going to do to every one of us is to make you despise your talent. That's the first thing he wants to do. He wants you to despise the talent that you have. He knows that the moment you are, oh, you know what, if I was only that tall and I can speak like that guy, I will have, I know my life is made. I know my life is made. If only I, I understand, you know, the complexities of calculus and mathematics, oh boy, I will have been far gone. My life will have been so made. If only I was that, if I'm, oh boy, look at that girl. If I'm just as beautiful as she is, huh, what I would have done. So the devil wants you to long for something you don't have and neglect the things that you have. That is his job. Everybody in life has something from God. But it's the intention of the devil that you will not discover it that you will long for something else, and you will crave for something else. I was talking to somebody one day, and she began to talk to me about somebody else. And I said, who is the person? The person she was talking about was a married man. And I'm thinking, you can't have him. And the one that you have, you don't like him. I mean, you are in a serious trouble. You don't like the one you have, and the one that you can't have is the one you like. 
And when you're dealing with the one you have, you are telling him about the one that you can't have. And you're trying to make the one you have to be like the one you can't have. That's the job of the enemy. So you have talent. Every one of us came here with talent. Every one of us landed up on the face of the earth with something that God has put inside of you. If you don't know it, you want to go back to God and ask God, Lord, what are the things that you have put inside of me so that I can live out the fullness of my life? There were people, <laughs> do you know that before the Olympics in 2008, Usain Bolt had never really run competitively 100 meters before? His coach wanted him to run 200 meters and 400 meters. His coach was actually grooming him to become a 400 meter specialist because of his height, because his reaction time. Because really, <laughs> by science, you need to be an average height of 5'9 for you to have a good reaction time for things like 100 meters. So by his height, he's over 6. So his coach had ruled him out that your reaction time would just be too slow. You would not be able to catch up with all the other guys that are 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and 5'9", or 6. But because you're going to bend, and before you stand up, they're gone. So his coach would not allow him to run 100 meters. Would keep him at 400 meters. Because with his long stride, you'll catch up with them. It's a long journey, you know. And so he did that until some few months before the Olympics in 2008. And he personally requested and asked his coach, let me try. Let me just try the 100 meters. The coach thought, well, by science and with all the facts that we have, you can't make it as a 100 meter sprinter. Your reaction time will just be too slow. So he ran just a couple of races before the Olympics in 2008. And obviously, you know what happened. Eventually, he ran the 100 meters, and nobody has been able to beat his record. And I think it's going to take a long while before anybody will be able to beat that record. But think about this. He had all kinds of discouragement from people that told him that he cannot do it. The first thing I wanted to write tonight is that you have to focus on building your strength. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the things that God has put together. You have to understand that if you do not celebrate yourself and believe in yourself, don't expect other people around you to be the ones celebrating and believing in you. There are strengths that God has put inside of you, and you need to focus on your strength. There are a lot of people that are focusing on their weaknesses. They want to work on their weaknesses, and they neglect the strength that God has put inside of them. Let's open our Bibles to, um, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I'll read from 53. Matthew 13, 53. I want to show you something about the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to learn to believe in yourself. The Bible says, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. Yes, 54. And when he had come to his own country, he thought them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man, look at the way they refer to Jesus, where did this man, is, does that sound like something respectful? If somebody comes and says, who, who is that man that came yesterday? 
It shows a condescending way. Look at what they said. Where did this man? They could not even mention his name. They couldn't say, oh, where did Jesus? They didn't say, where did that rabbi? No, they said, where did this man get this wisdom and, and this mighty works? Yes? 55. Is this not the capital's son? What do you think they are doing? They are trying to minimize him. They are trying to bring him down. And the same thing is happening to all of us. Is this not the capital's son? It's not his mother called Mary. It's his brothers, James, Joseph, Samuel, and Judah. In other words, look at what they were saying. They were saying, who is he? Who is he? Who is this guy? Where did he get all this from? And that's what's going to happen to every one of us by the time you begin to speak about your vision. By the time you begin to tell people what you can see on the inside, people are going to wonder and they're going to say to you, who are you? Who are you to think that you can ever become that? Who are you to ever dream like that? Who are you to ever think that your life can ever be that important? The same thing happened to Jesus when he began to do the works that his father called him to do on the face of the earth. The first thing he faced in his own country was people looking at him and saying, who are you? How dare you come and talk to us? They looked at his background. And for some of us, we look at our background and we think our background does not qualify us to do some great things that the Lord has put inside of us. One of the downsides of education, unfortunately, is that when you get to the schools, the schools, sometimes, <laughs> they tell you the things you cannot do. And sometimes, the things they are telling you you cannot do are the things that God wants you to do. Those are the things that are passions within your heart. Those are the things that when you sleep, when you dream, those are the things that you see. So there are a lot of us that have ideas, and we're not working on the ideas. You see yourself having a huge restaurant, and people coming in and out, and you're like, ah, oh, that looks so nice. But you are doing absolutely nothing about the idea. Absolutely nothing. So my wife said to her, okay, you know what? What do you want to do? What's the end result? You, you want to be an epidemiologist? You want to do a doctorate degree in epidemiology? She said, yeah, that's what I would like to do. Okay, what's the first thing you need to do? Uh, well, I need to write an exam before I can apply. Okay, so let's have a date to write the exam. If God puts that desire inside of you, he does not want you to give it up. So she stopped the class that she was taking, which was not where she was going. And she registered to write the entrance exam, the GRE exams. She wrote the exams and got her results. Told my wife, well, I've written the exam. So, okay, so what's the next thing? Apply. Yeah, but I don't have money. No, 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 apply. That's the next thing you do. You are not yet at the money stage yet. You see, one of the things that kills the dreams that God gives to us is like, yeah, I know, but where will I get the money to buy that big restaurant? Where will I get that money to start that business? Where will I get the money to do this and this and that and that? And then we allow the enemy to steal the dream from us because we are thinking about how improbable doing those things are. So she applied to two universities that she liked. She applied to those two universities. And guess what? <laughs> those two universities accepted her for a doctorate program, and one of them gave her a scholarship and a job attached to that. 
So we allow the information of how. Because remember, Mary came and Mary said, when the angel said to Mary, you are going to have a child, but guess what? <laughs> you are not going to do it with a man. You're going to have this child because this child is going to be conceived by the Holy Ghost. No, well, this child is going to come. And, and she said, how? How? He said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So in other words, God has made himself into an indispensable part of the dreams that he has given to all of us. In other words, he will give you a dream so big that you will need God to fulfill it. And that's why you struggle with that dream. Because you're like, how can I, how can I do this? And God says, yeah, you can't. But with both of us, you can do it. So don't give up on that dream that God has given to you. Don't give up on the talent that God has given to you. Don't say, well, you know, I don't think this is, this is, uh, this is possible. No, with God, he said, you can do all things through Christ that gives you the strength. So, our destination is not a matter of chance. Where you're going to end up in life is not a matter of chance. It's not a thing to be waited for. It's a thing to be achieved. What you are doing today, if I see the things that you are doing today, I can tell you what your future looks like. So believe will lift your talent. You need to believe in yourself. You need to wake up each day and believe in yourself. Managers are not allowed to give everybody a good appraiser. Somebody has to get a bad appraiser. Everybody can be promoted. Somebody has to be fired in some companies. They have a rule that 80, 20, 20 people need to be fired every year. And you need to look for the 20 underperforming people. So the managers are under all kinds of stress. They, they're looking at everybody and they know, well, if I don't want to lose my job, I need to fire 20 of you. How do I do that? I, I, well, I need to do it somehow. So all of you cannot perform excellently. That's the word system. And sometimes we labor and we trust that system. And so when you fall within the 20, you say, yeah, they fired me. No, the reason why they fired you is because God wants you to hire yourself. And when you hire yourself, nobody can fire you. So you need to believe in yourself. One of the things I tell people, and it's quick to know, I, I can tell you some few things, some symptoms to tell you that you don't believe in yourself. Symptom number one, when you are always after the new thing that comes out, it's a sign that you don't believe in yourself. The newest phone's coming out. I asked people, I said, did your old phone break? No. So why are you having this new phone? Oh yeah, it has all these great functions. It has all these lovely things. I said, now tell me, how does that enhance you? It has more space. Say, so what do you need more space for? You need less space. More space, more time on Facebook, more emails, more time on Snapchat and Twitter. You need less of that, not more of that. So when I see people, you buy something. I mean, your time, you are driving. Oh, yeah, just a quick text. You know, if you calculate the amount of time you spend on social media, it's already killing your potentials. And yet you are buying something else that is adding to that. And when you're sleeping, you're charging the thing next to you. 
So as soon as it's coming, you're like, yes, yes, you're awake. So now you wake up in the morning and you're tired. Why will you not be tired? You didn't sleep. You can't sleep. Your brain is wired in such a way that it's working with the social media not to your benefit. There are people that are busy living out their lives and making a lot of money and fulfilling their potential. And you see that when you're watching them. Did you see what Trump said again today? <laughs> What's your business with what Trump said? The guy is a billionaire. And you are sitting down listening to what Trump just said. Even Trump himself does not spend as much time. He, see, he says what he wants to say and he moves on. So from today, believe in yourself. Tell your neighbor, believe in yourself. You need to. Believe in yourself. When, you t when I see how you spend your time, I know if you believe in yourself or not. The time you need to spend. My wife, you know, <laughs> my wife is also my coach. Because there are some things she does, and I, you know, and I just think about it. She does not have a Facebook page. She doesn't have one. And when you see the way she uses her time, when we first got married, she said to me, we are not going to have television for the first year. Well, I was too much in love to say no. <laughs> I, I would say anything, anything she said was a yes. <laughs> Guys, you know how that works. Anything she said was a yes. I, you know, I grew up always having television, always, always having TVs in the house. And she said to me, we are not going to have TV. And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> so for the first year of our marriage, we had no TV. No TV, no electronics, no, no nothing. The only way we got news was through reading. But listen to this. That way she was able to maximize time. Because you know, the, you are talking to the husband or to the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. Did you hear what I said? Oh, sure, I heard you. Can, can you imagine Trump again? Trump, I mean, the guy. And you have just two hours to spend. Just two hours. And you can't even spend the two hours concentrating on each other. So you realize that you are not investing. So the, for the first year of our marriage, we talked to each other. Who else will you talk to? There was no program, there was no movie, with no DVD, nothing. So we talked to each other. We just talked. There are couples that when you, you know, I do counseling, and sometimes when I have couples and I tell them, go talk and I'll leave you to talk. They don't know how to talk. They are, you know, people don't know how to talk. Yes, I'm hearing you. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, okay, sure, sure. We live in a very distracted world, and it's deliberate. Because the enemy knows that his time is very short. And the last thing he wants is for you to be investing in your potential. Because if you do that, he knows he's in trouble. Because he knows that God has put that potential inside of you. If you cooperate with God and you invest in that potential, he knows that he cannot stop you. So he brings the distractions. How do you spend your day? How do you spend your day? 
How much time do you spend with God? The one that creates you, or the one that sustains you. We give more to those war system than we give to God Almighty. And this war system don't care about us. If you're gone today, guess what? Your office will be cleaned up and somebody else will take that position. Heartbeat. But God Almighty, that invests in us daily, that gave us Jesus and gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, we don't spend time with him. He said, come unto me. He said, yeah, Lord, I'll come when I have a trouble. They offer you the overtime. Say, I'll take it. I really need the money. I'm about to get married. I need all the money I can get. So you walk the double shift or the triple shift. But you are not invested in yourself. You are not investing in hearing the voice of the living God. You are not investing in knowing what to do every single day. You are not investing in being able to hear God and God telling you this is what you should do. This is where you should go. So this weekend, I'm trusting that the Lord will help us. You're going to list your top three talents or strengths that you have. That's one of the things I wanted to do. So just make a note of that. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. But take a moment to list your top three talents or strengths. And then you're going to find out what you're going to do to grow them. What are you doing? What are you doing to increase what God has given to you? What are you doing on a daily basis to increase what God has given to you? If you like the gym and you like all those stuff, there are a lot of people that are looking for coaches. There are a lot of people that are looking for people who will help them with their diet. There's something that the Lord has put inside of you. Tell your neighbor, there is something that God has put inside of you and you must believe in yourself. That's how Jesus lived. His brothers, his father, they didn't believe in him. He believed in himself. You must believe in your potential. To reach your potential, you must first believe that you have one. And you must determine to live beyond average. You must determine to live beyond average. You must believe in yourself. <laughs> because God Almighty created you. In Psalm 139, the Bible says that he's the one that puts you together in your mother's womb. A lot of us will excuse ourselves. A lot of us, I live in a society where they think, you know, if all of you that are British, if you come to America, they will tell you you have an accent. Not knowing that, I, you know, and I ask them, where did you get the language from? So you realize that people will say to you, you have an accent. They, they don't say you have a different accent. They say you have an accent. And what that means is that our accent is the default one. We are the standard. So anything that is different from us, it's, it's abnormal. And so sometimes when people say to me, you have an accent, I say to them, you also have an accent. <laughs> and that confuses them. I said, because it's because you've never left this country. Because if you go to Australia, you realize 
Not everybody in the world talks like you. So if you're in Australia and you're an American and you get into the office, yes, it's English, but it's different. And people will say to you, you've got an accent. But everybody wants to be the standard. Every country are fighting to be the standard. That's why you realize the Chinese are fighting hard to become standard also. They want to be the standard. They want all of us to spend our currency in yen. The Europeans want us to spend euros. The British want to keep their pounds sterling. And the Americans like the almighty dollar. Everybody is fighting. But you have to determine in yourself that you're not going to live by another person's standard. Did you hear what I'm saying, church? If you're going to truly enjoy yourself, you cannot live by somebody else's standards. You can't do that. There are people that are unhappy because there's something that their friends have that they don't have. And until they get that car, until they get that clothes, until they get into that club, until they have that same degree, they are not happy. Until they get married, all their friends are getting married. Why am I not married? So until they get married, they are not happy. If you're like that, what the enemy will keep doing is he will keep moving the goalpost. You will think, yeah, when I get that job, I'll be happy. By the time you get the job, you say, yeah, you have the job. But those people have also moved on. They have a big house now. So you also now need to get a big house. And then you need to get a wife. And then you need to get a car. And then you need to go and pay for a vacation that you <laughs> that you are going to pay for for the next three years. So you take the picture and you put the picture on the Facebook. Yeah, she's having a wonderful vacation. Is it paid for? <laughs> or you're coming back and after the vacation, you are, when you see the letter, oh, in Jesus' name, I bind <laughs> MasterCard, Visa. I, I bind them in the name of the Lord Jesus. No, when you were taking their money, they didn't force you. Now that they are taking back your money with interest, now you're upset. But they are cashing in on something. They are cashing in on the fact that you don't like yourself. You don't believe in yourself. But today you can believe in yourself and say, the only time I go on vacation is when I'm paying for it up front. So we created our own standards because we had time to talk, to invest in ourselves. No TV, a whole year. And right now, we have TV in the house, but we have no cable. So people come over to my house and say, yeah, there's this spot going on, life. I say, no, I only watch it dead. <laughs> because life costs money. It's the same players. <laughs> I only watch them, I watch it dead, replace. Because guess what? They will make you pay so much to watch it, and you are, oh yeah, but guess what? Some few hours after I go to YouTube, it's already there. <laughs> so I just wait. And some few hours after the game is over, I go on YouTube, and I play, and I play it, and I enjoy it without stress, because I already know the results. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need your blood pressure going up? How much are they paying you for that? How much are you getting paid that you are like this on the seat? How much? And you are watching millionaires 
on the pitch. No, I don't have cable. I don't need one. So all my news are snippets of news, five, 10 minutes. I can find out what's going on. I don't need all those breaking news. Because guess what? When CNN tells you there's a breaking news, sometimes they keep you there for the next one hour before they tell you what the breaking news is. And most times the breaking news are always bad news. Haven't you noticed? If it's not bad news, it's not good breaking news. What are you investing your time in? Because when you tell me what you're doing with your time, I can tell you if you really like yourself or not. Because you are investing your time in this world system, in the entertainment. There are people that can't, they can't be calm. They cannot. I see kids nowadays, you take away the, the electronics from them, they're in trouble. So sometimes the parents say, okay, please take, take, take. And then the, and then the kid will calm down. It's an addiction. Can't sit down and just be calm and think. So we live in a generation that does not know how to meditate. They can't go on vacation without any electronics and just be by yourself. And without that, guess what? It's only when you are still and calm that you can hear God. And so that's why the devil likes the noise. Even people are reading, they have to play music. The only time they are not playing, even in their dreams, the music is still going on. They go into the shower, the music is there. Loud. In their car, the music is playing. It's the act of the enemy to ensure that we cannot think for ourselves. Can't think. A lot of us, we know Bill Gates. There's a book that he wrote, Showing Up for Life. One of my mentors worked for him many years ago, so I went to visit with them in Seattle, where Bill Gates lives. And that's where I got the book, Thinkers. And do you know that from the age where he was 12, thereabout, he had a thinking time. Times that he just sat down and all he did was just think. Just think. No wonder by the time he got to school in Harvard, he wasn't just following what the professors were saying. What they were saying with what he was thinking was at variance. And in the second year, he dropped out of school. Now listen to this. One of his friends in the class stayed and finished up the computer science in Harvard and enrolled for the master's program in Harvard and enrolled for the doctorate program in Harvard. So he finished up with a doctorate degree in computing science. By the time he was done, Bill Gates employed him to work for Microsoft. Because your thoughts is original. The things that the world gives you is never yours. So you go to the office and you say, yeah, I do my job well, I did. No, that's not yours. Somebody told you to do it. But your thoughts that it's coming from God, it's original. And that's the one the enemy fears really badly. That's the one he does not like. 
But for you to do what the system is asking you to do, he's okay with that. Because he knows that now you don't know how to think. And you're even afraid to think. You're afraid to think for yourself. The young man will leave school, second year of college, and people will have called him a dropout. And people will have said he can't make it. But you and I know today <laughs> that not only has he made it, but he does not need that degree from that school. Many years after, the school said, please, we have, we have a degree with your name. <laughs> Just take it so that we can claim you as our product. I'm praying for every one of us tonight that the Lord will begin to open your thinking process in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you begin to invest in yourself. You begin to invest in yourself. You will not be investing in the fact that, oh, I work in this company. That's not your company. Even if you become CEO of that company, a lot of CEOs of companies, sometimes, guess what? The day that they are living, they are sad because they get kicked out. They get kicked out. It's not yours. But what God is giving to you, that is yours. So yeah, while you are going to that company, while you are thankful for what you have, you need to invest in your thinking process. You need to say to God, give me something that no man can take away from me. You need to say to God, I want something in this lifetime that nobody can take away from me. No man can come and take it away from me. Guess what? <laughs> you know that when the Commonwealth Games was held in England just some few months ago, they had to literally beg Usain both to come. And guess what? He said, no, I'm not going to be attending your games. He said, because you have this law that says that whatever I, I earn as an athlete in England is going to be taxed. Even though he's going to pay taxes in Jamaica over the earnings, because that's where he lives. The UK law says that, well, we're going to tax any money you make in England also. So he said, I'm not coming. And for that duration of the time that he came, for him to come, the government of this country suspended the law. So they suspended that law to say, whatever money you make, you can take it with you. Because they know that if he says he's coming, they will make more money from the people that are coming to the stadium. And he did not run the 100 meters. He did not run the 200 meters. He just ran the relay race. But the fact that he said he was coming, the fact that he showed up, the fact that he came with his legs, the fact that he dresses the way he likes to dress, the fact that he has to dance to his reggae tune the way he is, either you like it or not, that is who he is. And they had to bend the laws to fit him. And that's what God is saying to every one of us. That he wants to uncover the potentials inside of you that no man will be able to take away from you. Amen. When Jesus showed up, guess what? The Pharisees didn't like him. The Sadducees didn't like him, but they could not heal. <laughs> no matter all the things, all their PhDs that they had from seminary schools, all the, every single thing they had, guess what? They could not do what Jesus was doing. They said he was the son of the carpenter. But okay, those of you that are not sons of carpenters, that your fathers and your great grandfathers are pride, how many 
blind people have you opened? How many lame has walked? How many sick people have been healed? How many dead have you risen? They could not match the result that he had. So when you look at John chapter 3, you'll see a man, one of the rulers, his name is Nicodemus. And the Bible says he came to Jesus by night and he said to them, teacher, <laughs> let's open that, <laughs> um, John chapter 3 verse 1. You know, he said, teacher, I like this. He came to them in the night, not during the daytime. Because during the daytime, they were busy criticizing Jesus. They were busy looking at him. And the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus. He was one of the prominent rulers in Jesus' days. A ruler of the Jews. This man, this man came to Jesus by night. He could not come during the daytime. <laughs> because if he came during the daytime, his scribes and the Sadducees would have said, what are you doing? Embarrassing us, going to talk to that ignorant man. That guy that has no degree. That guy that did not go to any rabbi school. That guy that has no credentials with us. So he went by night. Look at what he said. He said, we. Who are the we? All of them that were criticizing him during the day. He said, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Why? He said, for no man can do these signs that you do except God is with him. No man. And that's exactly what God wants your testimony to be. That no man will be able to do what you do. That's the, that's the intention of God. That no man will be able to do what you do. That is one of the prayers we pray in my home. That's one of the things that we say. I said to my wife, I said, you know, listen, you are not, we are not just going to be professionals. We are going to be professionals that people will be able to say, I have no idea. When you show up, things happen. And when you are not there, things don't happen. That's when you begin to have good testimonies. And many years ago, about two years ago, my wife was having lunch with them and, uh, at work. And one of the nurses said, I don't know what happens, but we've noticed that the days that you are at work, it looks as if everything is calm. And the days that you are not at work, we have all kinds of cases, cases that we can't handle. That's when we lose babies. That's when we have all kinds of issues that happen. So one of the days she got to work and someone says, we know it's going to be a good day today because you're at work today. But you see, we pray about that regularly because God needs to show up. Look at what Nicodemus said. He said, we know that what? God is what? With you. And I'm saying to somebody tonight that people will be able to say concerning your life that God is with you. Amen. God is with you. Amen. You need to believe in your mission. Do you have a mission statement? Who has a mission statement? You have a mission statement, okay? If you don't have one, write one before tomorrow, before you're coming tomorrow. If you don't, just bring it, write the best you can. You must have a mission statement. When Jesus got to the end of his life, he says, it is finished. You know, one of the reasons why funeral services are really troublesome for us is because people die and we don't know that if they have finished their work or not. You look at the scriptures when people are about to go, when Abraham was about to go, when Jacob was about to go, the Bible says he called all his family members, he called them together. 
And he blessed them. And he gave them instructions. And he told them what was going to happen in the future. Why? Because he knew it was time to go. We live in this world as if we don't want to, live, we don't want to go. Everything, I mean, it's like a visitor coming to your house. And when are you leaving? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> it depends. What are you going to do to that visitor? Excuse me. What will you do to that visitor? You do what? Uh, thank you. <laughs> you don't want that kind of a visitor. When you checked into an hotel, guess what? They will tell you, how many days are you spending here? Why are they, why are they asking you how many days? If you say to them, I'm not sure yet, I will just see the way it goes. No, you, you are a risky customer. They want to know. They want to know. What's your mission on, in life? When you get to the airport or a cab comes here to pick you up, what's he going to ask you? Where are you going? If you say, well, um, I just have two hours to burn. I don't know anywhere. Just anywhere. <laughs> the first thing my likely ask from you is, um, can, can I have your credit card? Let me charge you for the two hours before we start going. <laughs> you have a destination. When you get to school, you, don't you have a destination? You get to a class, don't you have a destination? So why don't you have one for your life? Where are you going? Where are you going? You must have a mission. You must have a mission. If you don't, Jesus said, for this reason was I created, to bear record to the truth. And your word is true. He told the disciples several times. He said, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of the sinners. They're going to kill him. And he's going to be scorched. And then he's going to die. And on the third day, he's going to come back alive again. He had a mission. That was why he didn't bother with any women. Anyone that would have said, Jesus, would you marry me? Said, no, my mission is not, my mission does not involve that. You don't want to marry me. You'll soon become a widow. <laughs> so he can't marry me. <laughs> so he didn't bother. There are a lot of things that we are bothering about that has absolutely nothing to do with our vision. Absolutely nothing to do with our mission. And we're bothering ourselves about that. So write a mission. The Bible says write the vision. Make it plain. So that he that runneth my run. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I've run my race. I've finished my course. He was ready to go home. He was ready to go home. Listen, this might interest you. But one of the things I say to myself is, I don't want to be here on this earth a day, not even a minute beyond the completion of my mission. I don't want to be. That's why funeral services are hard. Because a lot of people don't plan to live here. It's like a lot of people are graduating now all around the world in different parts, and it's going to be summertime, people are going to be graduating here. But one of the terrible things you see is when you go to the graduating classes, I can tell. Because as you're looking at the people, you can tell. 
Some people have mission. Some have no mission. And you can tell. You can tell. What's your mission on earth? Why did God decide that you are going to come in this generation? Why are you here? Why? You say, Pastor, I don't know. Well, good. But then you can begin to ask the Lord, Lord, why am I here? Because you need to know when to start. And you need to know when you're going to end. And I've seen people that have passed away, and guess what? The Lord told them, it, you're done. So, and then they called their families. In fact, there was one that happened recently. One of my friends, the father, went home to be with the Lord. And then last year, he, he called all of them and said, hey, guys, I need all of you to come home because I'll soon be going. And so all of them were wondering, what kind of a thing is this? He called it pre-casket celebration. <laughs> and so they were all like, what is this? So they all traveled, spent time with him, spent time with them, and some months after, he was gone. Prayed for them. What a way to go. Joseph, when he was about to go, he said, hey guys, um, I'm about to go, and um, the Lord will visit you, so don't put my bones here. Don't bury me in Egypt. Just put my bones somewhere, because the Lord God Almighty will visit you. He will take you away from this land. This, you are not going to live in Goshen for the rest of your life. You're going to Canaan. You're going to the promised land, but you're not ready for it yet, but that's where you're going. But when you're about to go, take my bones with you. Have a mission. That's why God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, sometimes when I travel now, the airline will ask me, do you want to pay some money to offset your contribution to the carbon emission to slow down the global warming? And I click, no. Because when you read the Bible, you realize that the Bible says this world is going to melt away. No man can stop the heating up of this air. It is sin that is heating it up. It's not the microwave that is eating it up. It's not the, it's not the planes eating it up. It is sin that is eating it up. And the Bible already told me how it's going to end. So why should I give you five pounds? that I can use on my Chinese fried rice <laughs> to do something that would make no meaning. What's your mission? Do you have a mission? You must have one. You must have one. Because your mission would empower you. It would encourage you. It would enlarge you. Understanding the following three principles is critical to becoming a successful person. Your belief will determine your expectation. A belief is more than an idea that a person possesses. It's an idea that possesses a person. Your belief is more than an idea. It will possess you. 
If you want to achieve significantly in life, you must believe that you can. You need to expect to succeed. That does not mean that you would always succeed. Sometimes you will fail. You will make mistakes. But if you expect to win, you maximize your talent and you keep trying. Expectation determine your actions. The things that you do every single day is because of what you expect. More than anything else, your expectation will determine whether or not you take bold action to reach your dreams. Your actions is going to determine the result that you get in life. Many people simply hope for good results in life. Hope is not a strategy. Good result comes from good action. If you want good results in your life, you need to perform good actions. If you want to perform good actions, you must have positive expectations. To have positive expectations, you must first believe. You must have a plan. You must have a plan. Do you have a plan for that marriage? Do you have a plan for that relationship? When, when, we, when we want to cancel with people, I tell them, don't ever say yes to that guy if he doesn't have a plan. Where is this going to end up? He has no plan. Say, I just love you. That's no plan. That's no plan. That's why after he has wasted your time for four years, now he's no more interested. After you've given him all kinds of free benefits that he was not entitled to. What's the plan? Ask the man, when are we getting married? When? <laughs> and after you're married, what is the plan? What are we doing for the next one year? What are we doing for the next five years? Where are we going? What are we doing for the next 10 years? How are we going to plan for these children? What is the plan for? You know, you need a plan. When God made man, he handed him a plan. He said, Adam, this is the plan. I want you to take care of this garden. And I want you to water it and, take, and dominate and replenish Take care of this. But you see, the one in the middle of the garden, don't eat. He had a plan for him. And after he gave him the plan, that is when he now said, okay, I'm going to give you somebody that will help you with this plan. You have women that are following planless men, men that have no plan. They said, where are we going? He said, um, let's try left. <laughs> what are we eating? Um, anything, anything, whatever. Have a plan. Have a plan. You go out and then you come back. Why, why? You bought all those things. Did you plan to? No, they were doing sales. Sales. <laughs> sales. So you realize that when you don't have a plan, the world will give you a plan. I had somebody come in the other day and was offering me free holiday, free vacation. I said, I don't want. I say it's free. You don't, no obligations. We just want to say, th I say I don't want. Why? It, I, when I woke up this morning, I, I didn't make a plan for a free vacation. It's not in my plan. It's not in my plan. Yeah, but you don't have to pay for it. I know. 
but it's not in my plan. Make a plan for your life. Have a plan. When someone says, I'm coming to visit you, I ask, what time? What time are you coming? And what time are you going? <laughs> I need to know. One of my friends called me, and then the wife was having problems with the in-laws. I said, yeah, why would they not have a problem? When they were coming, you gave them an open ticket. I said, when my parents are coming, I ask them, when are you coming and when are you going? We have a return ticket. We have a plan. Everybody understands the plan. Everybody. The first time I remember my mom came to visit with us and she got into my kitchen, into our kitchen. And she said, uh, you know, I says, mommy, I said, in this house, this house belongs to my wife. The Bible says a godly woman built her own house. You are a guest in this place. So this kitchen, you will take permission from the owner of the kitchen. How she want the kitchen. What she want to cook in the kitchen. Whatever spice she's not using, you are not using. Because guess what? I am going to live longer with this person. So I don't want a case where when you are gone, she's like, oh, praise God. <laughs> no, 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 no. You must have a plan. You must have a plan. Don't follow a man that has no plan. Don't do that to yourself, ladies. Men, don't go and ask somebody to follow you when you have no plan. That's a disaster about to happen. Have a plan for your life. Have a plan for your day. Have a plan for the things that you want to do. And as you do that, the Lord will begin to help you. You might not fulfill all the plans you have each day. You know, sometimes my wife gets home. I told you, you know, she teaches me a lot of this. She gets home and sometimes I say, sweetheart, we need to talk. She said, I've not read my Bible yet. I said, I know. She said, so that's in my day plan, in my, in my plan today. So I need to do that. Even sometimes when she starts, she's sleeping. It's in my plan. So she writes out plans, the things she wants to do every day. And sometimes, even though I'm the husband, I wait online. So sometimes in the morning I say, so where am I on that plan? <laughs> so sometimes I say I'm not there. I say, please put me in the plan. But it's good. You have a plan for yourself. You begin to achieve things every day. Daily success leads to winning in life. Daily victories. Daily successes. What you do every day is going to eventually make your life. Daily. Daily. Jesus, the Bible says every day he will wake up before everybody were up and he will go to the mountain and he will talk to the Father. It was his daily routine. Your daily routine is forming your habit. Your habit is going to form your life. Daily routine. You keep eating that custard every day. Daily. Just a little, but yeah, eating it daily. Oh, I'm not, I don't eat a lot of chocolate, but you're eating it daily. After a while, you realize that he makes a huge difference. But God is calling us today to have a daily plan. Don't go with people and say, let's just go hang out. Ask them, where? For how long? 
and then check your daily routine. Can I fit it in or not? Have a daily routine. Have a daily routine of things that you believe. In closing, I want us to look at this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 13. Paul challenged the Philippian believers to rejoice because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. He encouraged them to put into practice the things he had taught them and that they had believed. He reminded them that God would be with them to empower them to do these things. Paul could challenge the believers to put their belief into action because he, even while he was in prison, put his belief into action every day. With faith in Jesus Christ and bold expectation because of the Holy Spirit living within him, Paul focused on serving God by making the preaching of the gospel his primary activity. Paul became an unstoppable leader. Paul, the man who willingly endured incredible suffering and persecution during the course of his ministry, demonstrated belief, expectation, and result. He could rightly say, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Let's bow down our heads. Time is running out for all of us. Time is, you don't have unlimited amount of time. You don't. You're not gonna be here forever. There are things that God wants you to do with the life that he has given to you. I told you the reason why funerals are hard is because a lot of people know that this person has gone, but he has not finished his work. Sometimes we don't even know the work he came to do. We don't know. So we cry. Sometimes people are crying because their economic source has gone. That's the man or the woman that used to provide the money. Your vision, your mission will protect you. Jesus said, no man can kill me. Why? Because he knew what he needed to do. If you know what God has called you to do, you can boldly say, I can't die. can't die now. I'm not done yet. There was nothing they didn't do to Paul, but Paul said, no, I'm not going anywhere yet. My time has not come. And then when he was done, he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I've fought the good fight. I've ran the race. Finished my course. Oh, I want you to lift up your voice tonight and say, Lord, what is my course? Because I want to finish it. Just open your mouth and pray to God. I want to finish my course. Show me what my course is. Show me why I'm here. Show me what you want me to do with this life. All the houses, the cars, the iPhones, the iPad, all the wristwatches, the gold. That can't be your mission here. You're going to leave all those things. The grandkids, the children. You're going to leave all those things. You're going to leave all those things. That's not why you're here. That's not why you're here. Every distraction, ask the Lord. Everything that does not have eternal value, that can oh, you say, yeah, you know, I have this bunch of money. You have no idea what they will do with the money when you're gone. You have no idea. The place you are sitting in the office, some people over the many years that the company have existed have sat in the same place, sat there for 50 years, and they're gone. 
Oh, lift up your voice, church. Let God hear you tonight. Say, Lord, this life will not be a waste. Lord, this life will not be a waste. This life will not be a waste, Lord. This life will not be a waste. I'm asking you, Jehovah God, to help me. This life will not be a waste. Oh, Father, this life will not be a waste. I want to fulfill my mission. I want to finish the things that you've called me to do. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste the time you're giving to me. Time, it does not belong to you. Time is God's gift to man. And he demands that you use it in a way that he glorifies him. One day the time will run down to zero. You will have no more time. Oh, Father, I'm asking, oh God. I'm asking that you help us, oh God, to redeem our time, to redeem our life, to redeem all that you've given to us. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30 a.m. at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.